Welcome to the Mystic Fool. <laughs> I'm Martin Worth, and this is the Mystic Fool. This episode is a recording of a interview, a Zoom session that I did with a friend of mine, Vincent Melling, who is releasing a book very, very shortly called Getting Into the Flow. In this episode, Vincent and I looked at all sorts of interesting things that gravitated around Uluru, the Pleiadians, intuition, magic and flow, and spirituality. So I encourage you to have a listen, plough through the long introduction, and get into the meat of this episode because it's pretty cool. And uh, down in the comments there, in the links, uh, you will see um, the link to Vincent's website, which is vincentgmelling, with two L's, dot com. Cheers. Enjoy. Today, I'm speaking with a good friend of mine, Vincent Melling. I've known Vincent for, I reckon, at least three years, when I first met Vincent on a uh, intuitive training course. And, uh, yeah, we clicked pretty well straight away. And in that time, I've learned... A heap of stuff from Vincent and I think probably in the past year or so has been a bit of a two-way street in some ways as well where I've come back at Vincent with a few things from my perspective and so yeah, we've had uh, we've had some quite interesting times where we've seen many miracles manifest for ourselves and also for other people and uh, also had a look at what it is that sometimes stops those miracles from manifesting between people as well so Vincent's got a lot of wisdom, and um, he has written a book that is called Getting Into the Flow. And over the three years that I've known Vincent, he hasn't even given me a sneak peek at one piece of it. So I'm actually <laughs> quite uh, interested today to interview Vincent about his book, Getting Into the Flow. And um, yeah, so Vincent, can you tell me a little bit about your book? Yeah, sure. Um, I guess uh, you're in Brisbane, I'm in Melbourne. But the book actually starts in Brisbane. Uh, and it was kind of in January 2020, an ideal practice called Shaking Meditation. We'd done a retreat in northern New South Wales. And at the tail end of that, I was in Brisbane and I had made a bushwalking date with a friend of mine. And she did not show. That was a big disappointment, but uh, I didn't know then that it was the first little piece of magic that was happening in this whole story. I started calling around a few friends, and uh, uh, one of them, a guy called Donald, uh, he couldn't make it to catch up, but he put me onto uh, the work of uh, Evan and Stephen Strong, and particularly uh, the story of the great global meditation that was set up for Uluru in December 2020. Uh, and he gave me that story, gave me that link. And I went home at the end of uh, the retreat, had listened to it and said, yeah, right. <laughs> when I'd listened to it all, it all sounded uh, a little bit out there and at the time, I didn't think I'd have the time. I didn't think I'd have the money to get up there. And uh, I just kind of put it out of my mind. But 
you know, it's funny how the universe works. And, you know, within three months, we, we were in lockdown, we had COVID. And this idea began to come back to me. And uh, what happened from there is that the time showed up, the money showed up, uh, the traveling buddy showed up. Uh, and, you know, Lockdown was still locked down, but uh, vaccines were appearing and governments were easing off. And yeah, by I decided to go. Originally, it was going to be a road trip. Had to change that to um, to being a flight because Adelaide became a COVID hotspot. But it all worked out magically. I got to. Alice Springs, I think in early December, I said, I've got to get out while I can get out. Uh, had a couple of weeks there, went down to Uluru. I was there for the uh, solstice meditation. It was really magical. Um, there are photographs of it uh, in my book. And there was, a there was this kind of unearthly blue glow in the sky. But there were other, other things that happened there as well. I met a guy called Robert Jameson, who told me about the Bali to Bensdale um, ley line. That was quite magical. I kind of felt an immediate call to um, go to Will Pina Pound, even, even at that stage. Uh, I thought that was really important for me. Um, I was meeting friends out of the blue, including one that lived just down the road from me or had done. Uh, I, I, did a, I was offered a healing there and paid for it. And <laughs> I don't usually do healings. I've done a few healing modalities, but I don't usually do them. But that was good. Uh, but the funny thing was when I got home, and it was Christmas, obviously, just after the solstice. So I got a bit busy. And then in the calm days after Christmas, it hit me. Uh, you've got to write the book. And I didn't want to write the book. There was a part of me that was very resistant to doing it, but there was another part of me, higher part of me that knew, yeah, absolutely, it's got to be done. And incidentally, this is the book that keeps showing up in your visioning going back four years. And so I settled down. I started writing the book. I tried it in several different ways, fiction, nonfiction, this style, that style, and um, after about three months of doing this, I was working with my muse in a writer's group and uh, I got a new muse come in. And uh, she introduced herself as Roxy. Um, and she is uh, funny, witty, brilliant, um, and very, very demanding and uh, has very high standards and really got the book from, <laughs> had a lot of fun to the book, but got the book from uh, where it was kind of uh, still mired in rough drafts and uh, took it through to uh, first draft stage and beyond. And that was a real, real piece of magic discovering that because that's what's given a lot of life and uh, excitement to the book. That's in short uh, <laughs> what inspired the book. That's a lot of information. And you've mentioned yeah. a lot of things. You've mentioned magic. Mm -hmm. You've mentioned Uluru. 
and the strange glow in the sky. Yep. You've mentioned Muse, and you've also mentioned Wilpina Pound. So let's let's talk about those those things. First up, what what is it that happened at Uluru that really got your attention? And what's this strange blue light in the sky about? Um well, there were a couple of Aboriginal elders. So I was down in the campsite. Um, beside the campsite, there was a little hill, and we went up on there for the meditation, and the blue light in the sky appeared. And if you can imagine that uh, the sky is these beautiful colours of gold and brown and red and orange, and then there's kind of a hole in the cloud, and it's this like cobalt blue, but... Um, it's like the blue is coming out and over the top of the clouds around it as well a little bit. And so that's what it physically looked like. And um, the whole meditation was based on an old First Nations prophecy, an old Aboriginal prophecy, that the Palladians will come back and do some energetic work that would uh, basically kickstart like a ley line. I think that's as simple as I can put it in the uh, uh, in layman's terms. There was talk of a magic box being inside the rock, and then there was talk whether or not that box was physical or not. But you know, kickstarting an energetic ley line in the in the ground was what they were supposed to be here for, and so that's what we believe was happening. The Aboriginal elders that were with us said, "Yeah, definitely, that's what was happening." Because the talk was that um, if enough people around the world, this is going back to the summer solstice in the Southern Hemisphere in December 2020, isn't it? Yes. If there was enough people around the world who would direct their attention to Uluru, then this activation could occur. And I think there were, were people all around the world. There were people in England, at Stonehenge, and all sorts of different places around the world who were who were uh, directing their energy towards Uluru at that very six minutes past 8 p.m. local time. Is that That's pretty correct, isn't it? Yeah, I won't swear the time's absolutely correct, but there were. I think they wanted something crazy, like over 100,000 people. Um, at least that. <laughs> how do you measure that? But they definitely got the energy that they needed to uh, kickstart this uh, Line. But yeah, people were around the world and people around the world on one or two of the Facebook uh, groups at the time, they were posting photographs of strange things happening in their skies as well. And strange yeah. events or strange, unusual, unexpected. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess there you were seeing seeing this um, ethereal light coming down from, mm -hmm. from above. Um, and straight onto the top of Uluru. So, uh, yeah, it would have been a pretty exciting moment, I can imagine. Well, yeah, the light wasn't directed at Uluru. It was kind of just where the cloud was. So, okay. Uh, if you can imagine, I believe direction wise, it's as if uh, Uluru was south and this cloud was in the west, but it did move physically down through the course of the evening. So it's the evening, imagine that dusk is coming, it's getting darker and darker, but this blue is still there and it's still bright and it moves down to Uluru a little bit further away. Mm. So it's, yeah. 
And you mentioned the, the Pleiades as well. What significance does that have with the story? Uh, just that it's the First Nations um, story that they're going to come, they're going to visit, they're going to kick off this uh, um, this energetic ley line that's there, or perhaps a complex of uh, ley lines that are there. Um, yeah, you know, Uluru is a very energetic place in many different ways. It, I think it probably sits on the um, crossover point of multiple uh, energetic systems in the Earth. Now, that's as much as I've got on Palladians. Uh, perhaps, you, perhaps you know more from your uh, connections in, with the Aboriginals, but that's, where I, that's as much as I've got. Well, I do remember at that time there was a lot of talk about the Seven Sisters song lines, and, of course, the, the Pleiades are the Seven Sisters. Yeah. And um, there was talk of it activating the Seven Sisters song line or ley line, dreaming track. These words are all very interchangeable, yet also sig significantly slightly different from each other, but they'll do <laughs> purposes. Yeah. Um, and that ley line or song line actually goes right around the whole earth. It goes from, from Uluru. Um, well, yeah. It includes Uluru, it includes Wilpina Pound, which, which you mentioned, it includes um, the Glasshouse Mountains in, in Brisbane as well, and then swings across apparently to Hawaii through North America. And so, yeah, it's quite an interesting thing. Yeah. Yeah. But not pursuing that too much. The thing is that that series of events that you experienced from having a, a bushwalking friend cancel on you to meeting <laughs> to being sent Stephen and uh, is it Ethan? Evan and Evan's um, um, uh, YouTube video to leading you to Uluru, yeah. which is the sequence of what we would call. I guess it's 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 it is being in the flow, which is yeah. what you're talking about. And so that that flow of events leads you to Uluru, which is what inspired you to write the book. And also it's inspired you to look more deeply into other things such as the Pleiades and um, we are together going to go to Wilpina Pound yeah. in, uh, in April, uh, March this year, in probably like in about three or four weeks' time it's coming up that fast, uh, to actually look deep, more deeply into these ley lines. So yeah. that's a sort of magical sort of sequence that you're talking about, isn't it, when you speak about being in the flow. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Um, and so I think it's important to note that, yeah, being in the flow is the first part of what you've got to have is um, being open to messages from higher consciousness. Now, you can get those messages from a visioning pro process. That's how we normally do it. But, you know, sometimes they can just drop in and you know, you have a knowing that this is coming from something higher. This is something that you've got to pay attention to. And this is something that you've got to do. But you've got to be aligned with, uh, with what's coming to you from higher consciousness, with your uh, soul purpose, mission and purpose. Um, and uh, it really, really helps then if you can use your intuition 
to um, determine what steps you're going to take to uh, move towards it. And the reason I say determine your intuition is that intuition is really simply just allowing the connection to higher consciousness to tell you what the steps are step by step by step, breadcrumb by breadcrumb by breadcrumb from where you are to where you're getting to. Does that answer your question about flow or reply to your comment about flow? Oh, it sort of adds a little bit more to it because um, that makes me think that they're in this getting into the flow, which your book is about. Um, you're alluding to there being some sort of structure around this, this like a methodology perhaps. Yeah, so um, if getting into alignment and finding uh, finding where you're going is the, the first key element of, of getting into the flow, uh, the other two are about st structure. <laughs> structure, funny we get back to that word. Uh, structure is basically the... Um, being aware of where you want to go so having got a vision for your life being aware of what you want where you want to go with that and also where you're at exactly right now both in a physical sense and in a psychological sense and then being able to hand that off in alignment to higher consciousness and receive back next steps so that's what the structure part is about it's about having a vision knowing where you're going that's coming from higher consciousness, knowing where you're at physically and psychologically and receiving then the next steps following the breadcrumbs. That's basically the structure of being in the flow. Um, and, yeah, the book does take you through exercises that will help you develop intuition, help you... Uh, um, one or two useful tools and techniques of using it to get this information and work in the flow. Uh, because it's really interesting. Nobody I have ever worked with has not been intuitive. Everybody's been intuitive and I've been able to coax intuitive readings out of everybody that I've ever worked with. <laughs> and that, you know, there's a lot of things that I haven't, done or that I've done 90% or something, but this is 100%. Um, and Everyone it, has. Yeah. It, so, so the two major blocks are, uh, first of all, not believing that you can do it. And secondly, the fear of getting something wrong. And, uh, you know, we have this, we're always connected into higher consciousness, but you know, there is a kind of a tap that it's like you're always connected to the water main, but you can always turn the tap on and off. Um, one of the ways we can turn the tap off is fear and self-censorship. And these are the two things that I think are the biggest. Um, and judgment, judgment of what we're getting. And so when I'm working with somebody that's doing intuition for the first time, these are the obstacles that I'm helping them across. I'm helping them to say, yes, you're getting something, describe it to me more. And then often the words come. Yes, it's all good. There's nothing to fear. Um, we'll talk about the meaning you know, in a little while, but get something first. Uh, get over the fear, get over the judgment of what you've got. 
you know, being able to flush out the detail, being able to get you over the fear, over the judgment, uh, over the, you know, over your fear of judgment by others, but also your judgment of yourself and get you into that space of uh, being able to receive intu intuition is really important. Yeah, it's my belief that we are all tied tied into um, what probably before we overcomplicated things, tied into like a, well, there's the element of ether, isn't it? Which we say is the interconnectedness of all things. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of interesting that um, when we talk about computers connected, we talk about the computers being connected by the ethernet. And I don't believe there's any such things as coincidences. Mm -hmm. So we are connected by an ethernet. And as you say, the only, the things that block our ability to receive intuitive information are things like fear, where we're afraid, you know, maybe we're afraid of it. Maybe we're uh, taught when we were kids, don't be stupid. You can't see things that aren't there. And so all these beliefs come up within us that steer us away from that, that path of being able to sense things, being able to know things, things that you otherwise, that are things that are not logical, I guess, because in lots of ways, there's nothing logical about intuition, is there? It's quite often quite obtuse to what you would think if you were thinking with your mind. Yeah. So the other thing to understand is that uh, intuition is very symbolic. The language of intuition is symbolism. And mm -hmm. so you do have to learn to unpack the symbols that you get. Um, you have to learn to unpack those symbols. So it's not always, certainly to a mind that's in its default stage, it's not obvious what it's all about. And you do have to be connected to higher consciousness. And as you're talking, you begin to receive the interpretations. You have to use your imagination. Mm, yeah. Uh, I've actually I've actually had that happen with, with clients in my healing space yeah. where when I take someone back to a past life, um, I'll quite often get a vision of what it is, where they are, what they're doing in that past life. But because I don't I was taught not to lead people. I think it's very important not to like once you say, you know, purple, they'll see it, for instance. But there I was sat with this guy once. And I took him back to a past life and I clearly saw a, a misty fog, foggy park with Tudor-type buildings leaning in a bit and gaslight sort of lanterns around a park bench and a girl sitting on the park bench, a young girl. I clearly saw this and he's sitting on the table. It was his first session he'd had and he was a very practical kind of guy. And he said, I'm getting nothing. And I said, are you sure? He says, well, what do you want me to do? Make it up? And I said, yeah, just make it up. Next thing he describes exactly the scene that I had in my head when he let himself make it up. It's just so important. It's amazing how that works. Yeah. And that's exactly how it happens. Every time we've done intuitive work. Yeah. And we've sat there with other people on our on our Zoom calls together, and we've seen them just making stuff up mm. <laughs> out of their head. And we know when they're doing that, but you know, you don't judge, you let them learn. Yeah. But um, yeah, there's a there's you said earlier there is a knowing, and there yeah. is knowing. The intuitive intuitive messages don't come from thinking about it, do they? They come from just bang. 
and there's a message. It just it comes in almost like, well, not all the time, but yeah, it does come in as as a symbol, as you've said. Um, if it doesn't come in as a symbol, sometimes it comes in as a whole story that you see in an instant, like the park bench in the London. It was like London in a London mm -hmm. park in Jack the Ripper days was what it was kind of thing, you know. <laughs> Um, sometimes it just comes as a complete burst of information and it's all there. Mm. But as you say, still you still need to unpack it. Yeah. There's a young girl sitting on a bench in a foggy park, obviously in the middle of the night. What does that mean? What's it about? What happens next? Yeah. And you and you follow the story, don't you? Yeah. And it's great that you talk about what you see because Intuition can work through all of the clear senses, whether mm. it's, um, you know, seeing things, hearing things, uh, feeling things. I often get, I often get um, messages through feeling in the body, and uh, it's really funny when I get that. It takes a second or two, but then I know exactly what it's about. And sometimes I just get keywords. Um, I get. You know, what this is really about is duh, duh, duh. I've had choices dropping like this uh, that, you know, when it comes to coaching, what I do is help clients create magic and flow. I had that come through at one stage. And so some, sometimes, yeah, it comes through in a lot of different ways. And uh, so it does take a little bit of experience just to get used to and practice to get used to receiving intuition and being able to understand what, what you're getting is yeah. very powerful once you've got there. Yeah. Would you say that intuition is a spiritual gift or is it perhaps just a mental function that we have within us or is that the same thing? Now, there's a girly question for you to think about. <laughs> um, I can give you a moment to pause on that one if you like. <laughs> this is really synchronistic, actually, because yeah. uh, I do have a podcast. And in my last podcast, um, I tried to answer the question, what is intuition? Mm. Uh, and, you know, we often talk about intuition in terms of its function, in terms of uh, getting out of the way, of allowing that connection to um, higher consciousness, allowing the information to flow through. Uh, and what we do to get intuition, how we use it. So that's a functional way. That's like saying, uh, what's a car? It's a mechanical device that gets you from A to B. Yeah. So it doesn't address what's going on under the hood. And... That's the kind of question you've just been asking. That's the kind of question that's not often asked. And it's the kind of question that I was trying to answer. Yeah. So uh, in answer to your question, um, to me, intuition is just part of our makeup. This is how we're built. Uh, mm. as much part of our makeup as legs or eyes or hands or ears. And it's simply our role to turn the tap on or off yeah the connection to higher spirit on and on or off and interpret what we're getting um so that's the nature of it now uh i'm going to 
kind of drift on into uh, how that ties into spirituality, if you think that's a uh, good yeah, direction sure. to go. Yeah. Um, okay. So ultimately, I believe that we come in with a soul blueprint, with soul contracts, uh, and obviously some skills and talents. And the soul blueprint is based usually, or the soul contract is, all this is based on something that we're here to learn through, the, through living in physicality on the earth. Mm. And so in order to get the most out of that lesson, our job is to become the best possible version of ourselves, which is, you know, I've tuned into this for myself. It's really rewarding innately. It's impacting a lot of people. And because of that, it's also potentially rewarding financially as well. Mm. But doesn't have to be. Uh, yeah. And so the question then becomes, how can we access the blueprint? How can we access the contract? Um, I guess the blueprint is the purpose, uh, but the way we do it in, the, in what I teach is to lead you into intuition and create a vision from that intuitive space. Uh, because that vision is an expression of your purpose, of your blueprint in your life. Now, um, we do this on a regular basis because if we say, well, at the end of your life, you're going to do this and you're going to do this and it could be all this and this and this, it'll be too big, too far, too much. It's got to be unfolded piece by piece. And we tend to work in six to nine month um timelines to redo this exercise and then out of the vision then you're able to get specific visions and areas of life uh, that you want to create for your life and also some beingness about what you what you need to be or what you'd love to be uh, as you move towards creating that vision and at the end of the day if you don't create everything that's in that vision that doesn't matter because what you're really after is growth and growth into that into being that best possible version of yourself. So I hope that helps answer you, answer the question you asked. Well, it's a bit of a journey, really. Um, there's a friend of mine, David Bauer, uh, in Hawaii, who who also agrees that we have a blueprint. And he said, your blueprint, because he's American, he says, it's a bit like going on vacation. <laughs> but I won't put the accent on. He's, he's got a very easy-to-listen-to American accent. It's really like going on vacation, he says. You've got your plan. You know where you're going. You know how long you're going for. And you know pretty much where you're going to land. You know? So take the analogies from that. And when you get there, you know, the hotel you booked into is a bit crappier than you thought it was going to be. <laughs> the tour that you booked isn't what you really want to do. And so you change it. And on and on it goes. Your luggage goes to Canada. You go to Santa Fe. <laughs> things like that happen yeah and he says yeah so he says it is there is a there is a plan but it's also an evolving plan and you know when you go home at the end of your life or your vacation the things you talk about are not so much the things that went right they're the things that went wrong it's that experience that you've had in overcoming those obstacles 
and the marvelous stories of the things that you normally tell all your friends and family about. So yeah. I kind of like that analogy. I think to add another part to that story, when you go on vacation, there's a little bit about losing your itinerary. You kind of forgot who you were and what you were coming for. <laughs> and that's the human condition, isn't it? Yeah. And so it's using our intuition to remember almost who we are, what our purpose is, what we are here for. Intuition is really, really effective in doing that. And I think that's what you're alluding to with what you said previously. It's a tool that we can use to actually find out who we are, what our purpose is, and to create the life we love. Exactly. Yeah. That's a beautiful summary. Yeah. So your book, I imagine, because at the beginning of this podcast, I said I haven't even seen one page of it yet, or paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> you've, been, you've been very clandestine with the whole thing. And I, and I appreciate that because I don't doubt that you are coming from a place of keeping the energy. And that's, that's a very strong uh, principle to use. But I would imagine your book is about all of this that we've just said. Would I be yes, it is. Yes, it is. So um, <laughs> it starts with this beautiful little prologue about manifesting because uh, I have people that I know that manifest beautifully. And at the time that I, certainly at the time I first wrote the uh, first drafts of this, I was not able to manifest everything that used to make me really mad. Uh, but uh, then, then I had this beautiful journey of magic and flow and I began, began to under, really understand what manifesting was all about yeah so it starts out with the story of my trip to Uluru of all the magical things one after the other after the other that happened and then um, having established that's the story uh, we go into explaining the fundamental um, principles of living by intuition from the point of view of, uh, uh, or with a metaphor of uh, kayaking uh, down a river, because that's really what we're trying to do. We're trying to, you know, when you're in alignment, when you're taking the action, then you find the universe comes to meet you with synchronicities and coincidences and uh, you know, chance meetings or thinking of people and they call you or opportunities from left field or events happening in perfect timing. All that sort of thing begins to happen when you're kind of in that flow. And uh, so we talk about the principles of getting into the flow, which is a lot of fun. And then we go into a few specific exercises that you can do to uh, do this for yourself at home. Because uh, sometimes we do read a book and drift off and we can miss something really important. So that's a, yeah. that's a nice way of helping yeah. helping people to, um, to not miss an important point. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing the book and getting myself a copy. And I do believe that on your website, which is vincentgmelling.com, is that correct? vincentgmelling.com, yeah. So you'll find... There's yeah. a link there, isn't there, to get on the wait list for the book coming out. 
there is indeed, you'll find a link for the waitlist. You'll find a link for the uh, podcast that I run, which is called Finding Magic, where I interview people and get their stories of magical things that have happened to them, because I think it's really important to anchor this idea that magic and flow are real and do happen. Excellent. I'm going to put a, uh, I'll put that link in the podcast description so people can find it easily. And uh, we will all be waiting for that book to be released. And I believe it's going to be a couple of months, maybe, from now. It's going to be in early April. So you and I are going going to the Flinders Ranges. And we're getting back kind of on the uh, cusp of Easter. And Easter is, I think, the 31st of March. So haven't quite got a date, but it'll be either that the week after or the week after that. Fantastic. The last after three years, I'll get to read your book. <laughs> you will do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All righty. Okay. Thanks. It's been fun. And um, yeah, cheers. Hey. <laughs> hey, look, Martin, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It's been an absolute treat.